the secret sauce of any church. Okay, prayer is the secret sauce. It's 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 not the power, but it is what God uses. And so anyway, if you I know people have crazy work schedules and folks can't make it and all that. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but I really feel like we need more attendance on Wednesday night when we have prayer night, especially. Okay. Right. Is that a little subtle little jab there? You got me? No applause. No applause. I mean, like, you don't need applause. But anyway, you get it. Uh, so our series is is on um, uh, what's our series we're in? I'm asking you to see if you know. Huh? Grace. Thank you. Just seeing if you guys remember. Um, and um, uh, grace through trials today, the lens of grace through trials. And um, so uh, I've asked Eric and Charisma uh, Fox. I uh, should have been Box, but Fox is fine. If they would come on up. And just I want to I want them to share a little a little quick testimony about kind of what they're what they're going through and what what we were talking in between service. And they said something that I thought was really profound about kind of what's happening in their lives and how they're getting through it. OK. And so did you all already applaud for them? Did you do that? Oh, OK. I'm Charisma. This is my husband, Eric. Um, we usually go to the first service. If you guys don't know us, uh, this is hard for me because I usually don't share with people. I'm a. Uh, in person. Anyways, uh, for the past nine months, uh, my mom has been going through health issues. Uh, she needs a heart transplant. So um, it's been a struggle for us, uh, emotionally for me, uh, because she's my mom. I love her, and I want her to get a heart. But I think with me, I'm always willing to share with people, but I'm not willing to take that grace back. I, I will go give the shirt off my back, but I'm not willing to get that grace. But recently... Um, I was telling Pastor Richie, uh, because of having three kids, working 40 hours, he works 40 hours, taking care of my mom. Um, she's currently in California now. We're driving back and forth. Um, it's put a lot of stress on our marriage. And uh, communication-wise, I think it's been a struggle for us because we're just not talking. We're busy living life, and when things happen, it happens. We deal with it. But... What we found that's most important in our lives is the people we've locked arms with. Um, we did a study with Megan, with um, Esther and Joe, but not just people from this church, but people that became our friends in the past year where God has truly placed these people in our lives because God knew we were going to go through a storm. We were going to go through trials. And we, without locking arms with these people, I'm not sure where we would be right now. And uh, we're working on it. Uh, I feel that it's important that you get phone calls from these people. I'll get random texts from Megan and different people just saying, how are you? How's it going? And they're truly people that hold me accountable for my actions and holds my husband accountable for his actions. Because I think in the midst of trials, you're just tested and when things come and when God's not there first and when there's no one to support you, you go the other way. So I just wanted to share with you that having people to lock arms with, you don't have to do this alone because God has placed important peoples in our lives as long as we're willing to share and we're willing to keep an open heart and we're willing to take grace. I think everything would be okay. And that's all I wanted to share. Wow. Stay here. Everybody stand up, please. 
I see Eric has gone out with Ethan. He's like, man, okay, Ethan wanted that mic or something. Dylan, sorry, Dylan, Ethan, Dylan. Anyway, thank you. Um, Christina is uh, her mom, and she's at Loma Linda Hospital down in California. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for just the testimony of, of, of your grace in hard times. Thank you, God, that um, we stand together as, as a family. And thank you, Lord, that, um, um, that we connect and draw strength, not only from you, but from one another. Lord, that you be with Christina this morning, Lord. You have a plan. You have a purpose. Lord, you know what the future holds. And God, as she is down there, and uh, we know it's difficult for her, and she's, she's being a minister and sharing faith and life, God, that you would strengthen her and that your will be done in her life, oh God. Let your will be done, oh God, in a just an amazing and dynamic way that will be unmistakably you. And so we thank you, God, for your grace, and we thank you for this family, that you would walk with them and that you would continue, oh God, to draw them near to you. And um, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I'm going to switch mics now. <laughs> Um, a lot there, a lot there, right? Um, keep, keep, uh, uh, the Fox family and Christina in your, in your prayers, uh, if you would. Um, I want to read to you out of, uh, our daily bread. We have these out front and they're pretty good. They have some really cool, uh, stories and things in them. And this one, um, brother Jesse, uh, uh wanted me to read this this week and, and I want to share, I want to share it. Uh, so let me share the first part. It's called how to carve a duck. How to carve a duck. And I actually wanted to get like a duck decoy, but I couldn't find anyone in the church that had one. I thought we had some hunters and some, oh, you, okay, I should have, I, yeah, I should have called you. I you figured, yeah, I figured you might, that, that's good. But, um, and, and I, 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 I kind of asked last minute, you have a duck decoy? Oh, you know what? Okay. All right. Next time, brother. Next time. You have a duck in the refrigerator. Oh, that'll work. We can hang him by his neck right here. Yeah. Sunday dinner? What time, bro? What time? <laughs> anyway, it's called How to Carve a Duck. Uh, my wife, Carolyn, and I met Phipps Festus Bourne in 1995 in his shop in Marbury Hill, Virginia. Bourne, who died in 2002, was a master wood carver whose carvings are almost exact replicas of real objects. Carving a duck is simple, he said. You just look at a piece of wood, get in your head what the duck looks like, and then cut off everything that doesn't look like it. I think it's a little more difficult than that, but that's just my opinion. And uh, would you remind me to finish the story? That's just the first part of the story. So remind me, because I'll forget. I'll forget. Okay. So uh, uh, the lens of grace, trials. Last week we talked about God's grace and how how big and how large and how difficult it is to grab a hold of God's grace. We, talk, we saw how, how God's grace didn't start with creation. God's grace started in eternity past and that God always has a purpose and God always has a plan. And so in eternity past, God's grace was there. And then I need grace today because I need a measure of grace to get through this day. But not only that, I'm going to need more grace tomorrow. And all throughout eternity, God's grace will be revealing itself to all of creation in ways that are kind of hard to understand because you will be uh, the object 
of His grace, and you will be the lesson of His grace throughout all of eternity. And so God's grace never ceases to end, and it seems to just continually be all-encompassing and even greater, the grace of God. You could summarize God's grace by saying it's God's riches at Christ's expense. And what are God's riches? Everything. It's beyond what we can see or think, it's the real world, it's the, it's the spiritual world, it's things that exist that, that are immaterial, it's everything, all of the riches and the, and, and the masses of heaven and, and beyond that is all His grace for you at Christ's expense. And we saw how God's grace has an object and that object is you, okay? Now, so we go talk about pain here, um, trials, difficulty. I don't know about you, but I really don't like pain. I'm, I'm not a pain guy. You know, some people are like that. Some guys are like, oh, yeah, man, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know what? That's good for you. I'm not like that. You know, if there's a line for pain-free or pain, I'm going to get in the pain-free line with everybody else except the few crazies that are in the pain line because they love that stuff, all right? But I'm not like... You know, like, like no pain, at all costs avoid pain. And I'm, not, I'm not quite like that. I just really don't care for it. I mean, I don't, is it okay to say that? Maybe, are, are you guys, do you guys love pain? You love trials and heartache? You do? Okay, right on, man. You, you're in the other line. Good for you, man. Can I, do you want to come up and share and I'll sit there and then you can, no, okay, yeah. That would be painful, right? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, James says this, and in the book of James, if you want to turn there, uh, I also have it up on the screens. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, his prescription. He knew a thing or two about pain. First of all, this James is the half-brother of Jesus, most likely, probably, the half-brother of Jesus. You know that Jesus had other brothers and sisters, and I say half-brother because they had the same mother but different daddy. Right? Jesus had no earthly father, okay? Conceived of the Holy Spirit, yeah? Stick around till Christmas. We'll get into that a little bit more if you're struggling with that, all right? Um, and so James humbly calls himself a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's also interesting to note that, that, that uh, the brothers and sisters of Jesus didn't really believe that he was the Messiah. And I think how can that be? And I don't know. I mean, how is it that that's like my brother Jesus, man? Yeah, man, you know, he's doing some pretty amazing things. And I don't know. Did they go, yeah, well, I don't know, man. They say he's the Messiah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, how can you not? I don't know how that happened. But his own brothers and sisters didn't believe. Okay, well, anyway, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 7 tells us that Jesus appeared to James after his resurrection. And I made this note, meeting Jesus alive after he has died is a game changer. Would you agree with that? When you meet Jesus risen from the dead, King of kings and Lord of lords, that's a game changer. Well, just this James led the church in Jerusalem and um, he also was martyred, according to tradition, in A.D. 62. The Pharisees had had enough of his witness and testimony of Jesus, and uh, they took him up to the top of the temple and threw him off. And if that wasn't enough, they beat him with clubs. 
Okay? He, uh, tradition also tells us that he had the nickname of Camel Knees because he spent so much time in prayer that his knees literally calloused over. My man was a man of prayer. And in the early church of Jerusalem, he would need to be because though it was sort of the center of the Christian world, sort of, uh, uh, there, there were great difficulties and great trials there in Jerusalem. Okay? So... James chapter 1, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, and then I'm going to read it uh, out of the Amplified Bible, all right? So, James chapter 1, seeing trials through God's grace. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay, now let's read it in the Amplified Bible. It says, why don't we read it together because that's cool when we do that. All right, ready, go. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured the testing of your faith through experience, produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance... Amen. I'm getting a little echo here, but that's all right. Yeah, amen. Hey, be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Everybody say nothing. Okay, so he says consider, or your Bible may say count it all joy. That's perspective. That's a mindset. The Lord would have us to have a certain mindset when we go through trials and difficulty. Uh, I remember when I was a freshman at UNLV and... um, uh, the workouts that we had were difficult. Uh, from high school to college, you know, there was a whole other level. And uh, I was not used to that, that level of conditioning. You know, we started off with um, uh, out at the track at UNLV, which I had an apartment. Uh, for those of you who have been around forever, the old Virginian apartments. Anybody familiar with that? Uh, no? No? Yeah, Billy, you familiar with that? Oh, my gosh. Hey, over there by the old track. It was like the dorms or the Virginian. I go, I'll take the Virginian for 500, Alex. And... Um, Anyway, but uh, they were excruciatingly difficult. And I remember uh, going up the stairs, and, and it, I, I was so sore that I literally had to crawl up the stairs. And, and I just thought, you know what, man, this is not right. And you know what? I really didn't care for it at all. I didn't. I, didn't con- I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I certainly didn't consider it at, or, ca- or count it as all joy. It was a miserable experience. It really was. But you know what? I learned something through that. And I didn't learn it then, but I learned it later. And, and that was, was that those workouts, and even though they were painful, prepared me for something. And they prepared me for game time. I didn't know it at the time, but they, what they gave me was endurance and the endurance to keep going on when others wanted to stop. And the reason that, that, that even though it was painful, but the reason that I could endure it in game situation was because I knew I had been through it in practice. And there's a spiritual equivalent there. There are things that we go through, let's call it practice, 
that are going to develop something in us that we'll see called endurance when it's really important or game time. Now, I would venture to guess that most of you, like me, don't like hard times. You don't like difficulty. Uh, you don't like temptation. You look forward uh, to those things being done, and you don't like to see them come your way. But we're going to try to look at these things in a different context today. Okay, so the first thing he says is consider or count. Now, you have to understand that when Paul the Apostle became a Christian, he reevaluated his entire life. He looked back at who he was as a Pharisee and the things that he strove for and the, the, the drive and the direction that he had and he thought he was pleasing God. And then he comes to, to great, the grace of God and realizes all of his legalism and all of the law and all of the things, even trying to stamp out this move called uh, Christianity. They called it the way back then, that, that he realized that, that, that he was wrong. He, he falls in love with Jesus, and, and he says, all of that stuff that I was compared to Christ is like garbage to me now. So there was this reevaluation. You know, there's a, uh, things that he once treasured. He didn't, he didn't treasure anymore because of the experience that he had had with Christ. And so, so he had a change of perspective. All right, and, and we need during trials to try to keep a heavenly perspective. And a heavenly perspective says this, that our situation may not be good, but God is good. We, we, there's a perspective of settling that in your heart and your mind and saying, you know what, this situation is not good. And by the way, it's okay to say that. Sometimes Christians, you know, the ones that are real spiritual, like they can never admit they're struggling or they can never admit that this is really hard. They're like, oh, no, brother. Yeah, man, I'm getting my fanny handed to me, but I'm loving it. I'm like, no, you're not, man. Are you okay? This is hard. It's okay to say that. No one's going to not have faith because you're really willing to admit that you're struggling. And the fact of the matter is there are times on a Sunday or whenever when people walk through those doors and they don't have the joy of the Lord and they're struggling and life has just sucked everything out of them and they need, you know what they need? They need a word from the Lord and they need a pat on the back and like, a, hey, it's going to be okay. Thank you for that spontaneous applause, sister. As the testimony was given earlier that, you know what, just having a phone call, someone who just connects, sometimes that's a lifeline. If God puts someone on your heart, call them. Better yet, go by their house. And if you want to really bless them, bring them dinner. Can you say amen? <laughs> amen to the dinner, yeah, but oh my goodness. Secondly, believe that God has a purpose in everything. You know, if you don't believe in God... How do you make sense of the world? How do you make sense of absolute tragedy? How do you make sense of your own life when things just don't go the way that you've always had it planned or the way that you thought it would work out? Where do you go with that? Where do you go when, 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 there's a, when, when life just happens and, and, and you're left in the wake, and, and you don't have faith in God, and so you're left to just say, man, I guess I was just born on the wrong side of the tracks, or I was at the wrong place at the right time, or, oh, you know what, there's, there's no purpose in that. There's, what do you gain from that? Uh, but but we, have, we have a God who we believe is in charge of all things, that nothing is random, and therefore, we have purpose. 
Because we believe in him, he's a God of purpose and a God of order, then anything we go through, both the good and the bad, has a purpose. And we'll take it another step and say, even if we never find out what that purpose is, we're still okay because we fall back to God being good. Ah. Thirdly, I may not know what that good is now, but I know that God's up to something. C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone. It's hard to keep those things in the forefront of our mind when we're in the midst of it. Because you know what? Another thing that I need, fourthly, more than anything else during those times, I need the word of God. I need the truth of God. I need God's truth telling me, you know what? He's there. King David, where can I go from your spirit, O oh God? If I ascend to the highest heights, you're there. If I go to the deepest steps, you're there. God, you're always with me. You've knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I need the truth of God's word more than anything else during those times. And I need the fellowship of the brothers and sisters in Christ beside me. Right? So he says this. He says, consider. Then he says, whenever you fall, whenever, whenever you fall into various trials and temptations, uh, it's not a matter of if there's trials in our lives, but when. Jesus told the disciples, you know what? In this world, you will have tribulation. And I just kind of get the apostles went, yo, we know, we know tribulation. We got it, we got it. And I think Jesus went, y'all don't get it, man. <laughs> because there's going to be a time when every one of you is going to scatter and run for your lives. You'll have it. He also said, be of good cheer. There's that joy thing again. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So we keep our eyes on Jesus. And who overcame, and he gives us that strength to overcome. Paul the Apostle said that we must enter through much tribulation, the kingdom of God, in Acts 14, 22. So it's not a question of if. You know what? I don't know if anybody told you that when you became a Christian, you would never have any temptations, you'd never have any struggles, and all of your wildest dreams would come true. I don't know if anybody uh, to ever told, told you that. Because sometimes, you know, it's just, it's just the opposite. If you look at some of the men and women in the Bible, it's kind of like their story says this. They didn't start having problems till they stepped into God's will and his grace. You know, King David, David was just out hanging with the sheep. He becomes king and Saul's trying to kill him. <laughs> like, whoa, man. Saul of Tarsus, when he was persecuting the church, he was the man. He met Jesus, got born again, and became Paul the apostle. And, you know, he's being lowered from a basket outside of a city because they want to kill him. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah, troubles, trial, various trials. Whenever you have fallen to various, you know, trials aren't all alike, are they? Some trials are a result of the world being like this. Sometimes life just throws you a knuckleball, and you swing, and you're like, oh, man, right? I mean, the world is not the way that it was originally designed. There's still order, but it's not the kind of order that it's supposed to be. Creation itself has been subject to futility, right? Uh, it's, it's not in order. So sometimes it, it's, just, it's just life, and sometimes it's, it's broken relationships, or it's, or it's sickness, or it's other relational things. It's, it's disappointments, letdowns, accidents. That's just life, and sometimes it's a direct result of our faith. You stand up for your faith, and there's persecution or trial that comes your way because, because you're holding on to the convictions of the Lord. Peter told the early Christians who were being perse persecuted by, by Caesar Nero, 
He goes, in 1 Peter 4, 12, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you go through as if something strange were happening to you. And the church was like, man, we don't get... We don't quite understand this. I mean, this is like ice. This is beyond ISIS proportions, and we're being we're being slaughtered, and we just don't get it. And Peter's like, "Are you serious? You don't understand? Don't be shocked by this. You're taking a stand for Jesus, and at some point, there's going to be some persecution. Not to mention the fact that we have this adversary, the devil, who opposes the works of God, which are you, by the way, and even tries to oppose God Himself." Not to mention the other kind of various trials is that sometimes we just step right on into it, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Sometimes it's like, here we go, whoo, boom, off we go right into the edge. And sometimes we get in those situations and we say, oh, brother, pray for me. I'm going through trials. Well, what happened? Oh, such and such, you know, man, that girl, yeah, man, I got back with her. I said, man, you ain't going through no trial. You're being stupid, man. Come on, you need to get up out of her. I told you last week you need to fire her. She's not, you know. Oh, no, man, the devil's just, man, the devil's, no, man, don't blame the devil, man. You dove into that all by yourself, all by yourself. Like the devil's going, don't blame me, man. I'm telling the truth. I had nothing to do with it. I'm kidding, okay? But various, we fall into these things. When you fall into, and that really means to encounter or to come across, not the ones we dive into. And he says, do this. He shifts gears. And he says, count it all joy. That's what James says. He says, count it all joy. Uh, Consider it nothing but joy, the Amplified Bible says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the author to the letter of he- in, the, in the letter of Hebrews is explaining something about the crucifixion of Christ. And he says this in 12, 1 and 2, Let us run with endurance the race God has said before us. Then he says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, or the author and the finisher of our faith. He, he begins our faith, he ends our faith. And it says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. James says, count it all joy. The author to the letter of Hebrews says, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, despising its shame. Let me ask you a question. What was the joy that was before Jesus prior to him being crucified? What was that? Where is there joy in crucifixion and death? There isn't. But what did he do? He looked beyond the cross and he saw something. Not only was he in the will of God the Father to go and die for the sins of all mankind, whoever, whosoever would believe in him, because I'm right with God because of what Jesus did. He was the perfect sinless one who died, and I've received that by God's grace, and now I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God, right? And I have relationship with God because of my relationship with Jesus, because of what he did 2,000 years ago. And, and so, so I submit to you that the joy that Jesus saw prior to the cross was you. But he looked beyond the cross 2,000 years later in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he saw you. And he said, you know what? Father, let your will be done. I'm looking beyond the cross at 
the church. And it brought him joy. So he teaches us a valuable lesson about looking beyond where we are today and trying to have joy in that. Not joy because of the situation, but joy in the midst of the trial or the situation. How do we do that? We live for things that matter like Paul the Apostle did. Jesus looked beyond the cross and saw joy. We too must look beyond our trials. Warren Worsby, Bible commentator, says this. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter, not better. Then he says this, Job had the right idea when he said, but he knows where I am going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Job 23.10. I like that. He knows where I'm going. When he tests me, I'll come out as pure as gold. So consider it nothing but joy. Okay, that gives us a perspective. And then he says, be assured. Be assured. Know this. Make up your mind. Settle this truth. Verse 3 says, be assured that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith through experience produces what? Endurance. Another word for that is patience. Everybody say patience. Lord, give me patience, and I need it now. (laughs) So be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance or patience, and that endurance and patience lead to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Endurance or patience Spiritual maturity, inner peace. I want you to note this. Faith doesn't produce endurance. It's the testing of your faith that produces endurance. The testing of your faith produces endurance. And it's not so God will know. God knows all things. He knows our capacity. He knows how much is too much. That's why he says you'll never be put through any temptation that you cannot endure. He knows where the limit is. I don't. And I go, okay, Lord, that's enough. Uncle, uncle, tap out. I'm done. And the Lord says, oh, no, not yet. We got a little bit more. Come on. I'm like, no. But he knows. I'm going to break, Lord. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Ah, How much longer, Lord? Another month? No. I know. Man, man. But you know what he's doing? Oh, man. He's testing my faith so that I will know. Not so well. How do you think he'll do? Angels? uh, Three to one, he doesn't make it, coach. Nah, I, I... I know ga- gaming reference, I'm sorry, Las Vegas, it happens all the time. But, no, be assured that the testing of your faith, for me, in me, in me, produces endurance. This is so I know. This is so I can, I can, I can, uh, uh, I can grow, I can, I can have endurance. I can, I can, I can get beyond this. And, and when you get through it, huh, church, when you get through it, 
when you were in the midst of it, you would have said, Lord, I'll do anything to get out of this. And God says, I know, that's the problem. <laughs> but when you get through it and you look back and you go, whoo, whoa, I can't believe I got through that. Now I have endurance. Now I know that my faith has moved to a higher level. A higher level of faith, a higher level of grace. Because grace is all about me becoming deeper in Jesus, right? Grace is all about Jesus pursuing me and drawing me to himself. And he uses trials to do that. Because it deepens my relationship with him and it gives my faith endurance. That's grace. That's grace. Patience. The ancient Greek word, hupomone. Everybody say hupomone. Look at the person next to you and say, that's what you need. You need hupomone. Hupomone. So when you're, when you're at the checkout counter and you figure out the quick lane and all of a sudden, you know, he's like, I don't know, it worked last week. And you're like, no, come on, dude. You're here, take my car. Just move along, would you please? You know, and everybody else is going through. Like I zipped into a particular place to get gas, Costco, the other day. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the lane. And I'm like, man, you know, like 10 minutes later, I'm like, come on, right? I need hoopamone. Hoopamone. Other cars are zipping right by. I'm like, oh, okay, right? You know, when you're on the freeway and someone cuts you off and they're going, you know, 20 miles an hour slower than you are, just cry out, hoopamone, hoopamone, that's what I need right now. If you're married, you know, and your spouse is starting to, you know, be in pain, hey, 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 hoopamone. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not pointing at you. I just happened to, I could, I could point this way just as easy, hoopamone, hoopamone, okay? And, and people will say, what is this strange language you're speaking? You go, it's actually classical Greek, and it means patience, which I'm running out of right now. Anyway, Paul says, the word is not, doesn't describe passive waiting, but active endurance. Active endurance, David Guzik says, isn't so much the quality that helps you sit quietly in the doctor's waiting room as it is the quality that helps you finish a marathon. Ah, okay, okay. The ancient Greek word hupomone comes from hupo, which means under, and meno, which means to stay or abide or remain under. Uh, so that's the idea. It's, it's, it's remaining under something and not trying to squirm out of it. Yeah, yeah, th that's what it means. One philosopher called it the queen of virtues, of all virtues. Verse 4, and let endurance, patience, have its perfect result, and do a what? Thorough work. Why? So that you may be what? Perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. Oh, church, oh, can I suggest to you that if I'm lacking something, there's a trial coming. That's the way God does it. That's how it goes. That's how he rolls. <laughs> I'm, I'm lacking. God knows my heart. He knows my areas. And because of his grace and his love for me, he says, you know what, son? You got an area here, man. We got we to gotta work on this, man. There's a trial coming. You're going to need patience here. I need, we need to stretch you out a little bit. And I'm like, oh, not that. But he's, he's, in the, he's in the, 
God's in the, the maturity process, maturing us, okay? So let it have its perfect result. Uh, let, it do, let, it, let it do its thing. Don't try to squirm out of it because it's producing something. Uh, it's making me mature. It's developing, developing me so that, so that I lack nothing. Okay, let me read the rest of the duck story. Okay, how to carve a duck, part two. It says, so it is with God. He looks at you and me, blocks of rough wood, envisions the Christ-like woman or man hidden beneath the bark, knots, and twigs, then begins to carve away everything that does not fit the image. Is that good? Uh, we would be amazed if we could see how beautiful we are as finished ducks. So first we must accept that we are a block of wood and allow the artist to cut, shape, and sand us where he will. This means viewing our circumstances pleasant, amen, and unpleasant. As God's tool that shape us. He forms us one part at a time into the beautiful creature he envisioned in our uh, ungainly lump of wood. Sometimes the process is wonderful, sometimes painful. But in the end, all of God's tools conform us to the image of his son. Romans 8, 29. So it says, do you long for that likeness? Put yourself in the master carver's hand. Okay. All right. Um, don't do this. Don't do this. And we're, if, if, if you queue up the video, please, Thomas. Don't, don't do this. Don't, don't rebel against God during these times. We go through some hard things. And sometimes they harden our hearts and we run from God. You know what, God? I'm through with you. No way. This is too much. If you're loving, kind, all that stuff, I don't believe. No, don't, 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 don't run from God. The apostles were getting ready to leave Jesus. And he says to them, are you going to leave too? Peter says, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Don't, 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 don't leave. Don't, don't get defiant. Don't try to battle it in your own strength. Surrender under, because the weight won't crush you. It'll make you stronger. If you're in the gym and you want to get stronger, you better get someone to help you. You need a spotter. Because if you don't have a spotter, you'll never lift beyond your own strength. But if you have a spotter, someone that's helping you and saying, don't worry, I got you. If, you. if you stumble, if you can't make it, I'm right here for you. Then you begin to see that you can lift more than you thought you could. Don't lose heart or give in. Don't question God's love. Don't murmur, complain, grumble, or build a guerrilla team, which is what I do. Oh, man, can you believe it? Come on, be miserable like I am. Yeah, that's horrible. Man, what's going on? Yeah, really? Uh, I tried that. It doesn't work. Don't indulge in, in self-pity. Lastly, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit, church. Not quit church. You heard the testimony. It wouldn't be for these people. I don't know where we'd be. Don't quit church. 
connecting. And you know what? Don't quit God. Don't. Don't do that. This video will bless you, and there's a little commentary I have afterwards, if you could go ahead. Like you've never been before The life you knew In a thousand pieces on the floor And words fall short in times like these When this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart to be
Uh, so I don't know uh, what what you've been through or, or what what maybe you're going through right now. I don't know what's lying right ahead of you, but I know that sometimes that those things, they just, it's, it's like they suck all the life out of us. And the story, Danny Gokey wrote this song. I don't know if you know the story, but um, there was a pastor who had a heart surgeon that went to his church, and he said, hey, man, I want to I see a heart surgery. And he's like, all right, you sure? Okay, right, I guess. And, and so they set it up, and, 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 and so this pastor's in there watching this, and, um, you know, they had this massive heart surgery process, and, you know, whether the heart was all the way out or not, I don't know, but, but I mean, th- there's, there, they, they literally stop the heart during this process, and then, and then they, they go to restart it, and it won't restart. And so the doctor does something that certainly isn't in the medical books, and this is, you know, what happens. He, he leans over to the patient and says, Mrs. Johnson, this is your doctor. I don't know if you can hear me, but I need you to tell your heart to beat again. And she does, and her heart begins to beat again. Sometimes we just got to tell our heart God's grace is real. God is good. This situation is really hard, but I'm not going to let my heart stop beating. Keep beating heart. Keep receiving. Keep loving. Walk in joy. Not because of the situation, but in spite of the situation. By God's grace and God's mercy. Because he's doing something. And he's drawing me near to him. Father, in Jesus' name, we... We are overwhelmed by your tender touch. We're lost in your grace this morning, and that's a good thing. In your amazing love that has no bounds that's endless. I'm reminded of your words to Paul the Apostle when he needed a, a miracle. He needed a, uh, there was a thorn in his flesh and he, he, he prayed to you three times and you said, my grace is sufficient for you. This man who raised the dead and who healed uh, Uh, even religious uh, people from their religiosity, this man who who was responsible through you of amazing things had a thorn that wasn't removed and it was because of your grace. Hard to get? 
Help us to understand it and walk in it. Help us to love you and love one another. Father, we just say right now, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for just being wayward children, which we are sometimes. But Lord, would you draw us near? And you promise that you will. You say that that if we search for you with all of our hearts, we'll find you. And that um, you're not a God who's far off, but you're near. So we love you, God. We thank you. We say be exalted in our lives and in this place. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, hey, listen, if you need prayer,